by the mercy of God, we are gathered here together this morning to study again His Word in the book of Acts, um, chapter 15. So if you'd open your Bible to uh, that book and that chapter, we are studying what is known as the second volume of Luke's Gospel account of Jesus Christ. We're going to be in chapter 15, as I said this morning, looking at verses 22 through 35. We're going to drive, I'm going to drive this morning's message, uh, though, from the Pauline implications of what uh, the letter that is being delivered to the church at Antioch means, what it implies, what the ramifications are of that passage. So you might uh, keep a finger or a note in Galatians 5, chapter, or, uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Um, this might be a good time just to remind us of what the melodic line of the book of Acts is. And the melodic line is a summary of the book that each passage as we go through the, the book of Acts will sort of hang, it sort of hangs on this one line uh, throughout the whole book. And the book of Acts is the work of the Holy Spirit that is initiated in the ministry of the apostles and continues working through the church that was supernaturally birthed. So if, that's a lot to say, but if we're following this line, and we'll see this week in and week out, that Acts is the work of the Holy Spirit initiated in the apostolic ministry, and it continues working today through the church that was supernaturally birthed. Right, So we're going to continue um, that study after we've uh, prayed for the Holy Spirit to superintend our time. And then we'll read the passage for consideration and then uh, do an orderly exegesis or division of the text making applications as we go. So would you uh, pray with me? Father in heaven, give us grace in the Holy Spirit this morning. Grace to understand the passage. Grace that it would inflame our hearts and engage our will in obedience, Lord. We need grace this morning to embrace the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. Grace to understand the authority that has set us free. Help us, Lord, to live in freedom. Freedom from sin's penalty to live in freedom of sin's power. Help us, Lord, to trust that one day you will free us from sin's presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As you are able, uh, would you stand for the reading of the infallible, inerrant, Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God from Acts chapter 15, beginning in verse 22. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brothers with the following letter. The brothers, both the apostles and the elders, to the brothers who are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia, greetings. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words, 
unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instructions, it has seemed good to us, having come to one accord, to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. So when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch, and having gathered congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. And Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. And after they had spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the brothers to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. This is God's word. You may be seated. As we, uh, as I embarked on this passage uh, this week, I thought, it is difficult to preach a new message when this is what the council decided last week is what we were looking at in Acts 15, right? What the council decided, we proclaimed that last week. Lay no unnecessary burden on them. And so here this morning in our elders meeting last week, we, we were talking, I said to the fellows, I said, I don't know how I'm going to preach a different message because it's really the same message. Lay no unnecessary burden on these Gentile believers. Well, the gist of what I'm going to drive at this morning is how this message was meant to be received in the church at Antioch, Syria, and how I believe we ought to here as the church at, at Spring Hill receive that message. Paul, writing to the Galatians in chapter 5, says, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And I said we were contemplating this in the meeting. How, how would we preach a, a different passage? Uh, how would we do this? And so kind of tongue-in-cheek, it was mentioned in our meeting that, um, of course, this message would have been received as a joyous occasion in Antioch, Syria, especially the male members of the church, Right? Because, you know, uh, they're going to find out that uh, circumcision is not required for you adult men. That in itself was a joyous celebration, but it misses the point. It misses the point of, of the, what this letter delivers. What this letter delivers is that in Christ Jesus, you have been set free. You've been set free in Christ Jesus. More joyous than that. More joyous than being free from the right of circumcision is that Christ has set them free. And whom Christ has set free is free indeed. So this morning, I want to pose this to you and, and for you and I to contemplate this. Do you know that in Christ Jesus, you too have been set free? 
in the world and in the church, there are declarations made all the time. And how can you trust them? How can, how can you trust them to be true? How can you trust that what I'm saying to you this morning, that in Christ Jesus, you have been set free? How do you know that this is true? The pastor of a mega church in Houston, Texas, would tell you that you can have your best life now. The mantra of the day in our society is this, whatever you declare to be the truth is the truth. Can you trust either of those statements? And with those statements, we should question the declaration. We should question. When somebody says, you can have your best life now, what question ought we to ask of if we could be with that mega pastor right now? And he said, you can have your best life now. The question I would ask him and want to ask him and want you to have the the uh, the the conviction to ask him this question is on what authority on what authority you blame you place that claim when the world around us tells us that your truth is within you ask the question on what authority on what authority is that true that your truth is within you where does that come from because basically what they're saying, right, is that I am my own authority and there is no authority outside of me. And then maybe we would show them how dangerous that kind of statement is. The letter that is delivered to the church at Antioch, City, uh, Syria, declares this, that Christ has set you free. I declare to you in the church that Christ has set us free. And he whom Christ has set free is free indeed. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. You might ask, on what authority do you, on what authority, Jeff, do you make this claim? On what authority does the letter make this declaration to the church at Antioch, Syria? On what authority are they saying here that Christ has set you free? On what authority? Well, first, I want us to see that the whole church is united. In the declaration. Verse 22. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas and Barsabbas and Silas, leading men among the brothers, with the following letter. As we have talked about this a couple of times, and I've quoted Charles Spurgeon, I'm going to do it again. It is the whole job of the whole church to declare the whole gospel to the whole world. The apostles and the elders conclude that Christ has indeed set the Gentiles free from the legal requirement of circumcision. And not only that, that is the consensus of the whole church at Jerusalem. They are united in this declaration. They're united together for freedom. Christ has set the Gentile free for freedom's sake. Christ has sent the Gentile free by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, by the authority of the apostles, by the elders, and indeed the church, united in this proclamation, coming from Jewish believers saying, Gentile believers, agree. Agree with this statement that Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not again submit to a yoke of slavery. By the authority 
of the church by the authority of those born again. That is our claim. That Christ has set us free. With the following letter, he sends the brothers, both the apostles and the elders, to the brothers who are, in the, who are the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia, greetings. Since we found that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words, unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instructions, it has seemed good to us, having come to one accord, to choose men and to send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. To the Gentile churches, he says, on the authority of the apostles and the elders, we send to you good news. We are sending to you good news. For freedom, Christ has sent the Gentile free. He's done so by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. Those who would trouble you are not those with apostolic authority. So he's declaring here that it is in the authority of the apostles and the elders of the church that we are sending this message to you. And know that those who trouble you are not of us. So they want, he wants them to trust in this proclamation that Christ has set them free. And where can you trust? Well, the whole church agrees in Jerusalem. The apostles who are set, us, set apart for this ministry by Jesus Christ himself and the Holy Spirit, they are telling you that Christ has set you free. And anybody who tells you otherwise is not of us. We send you that Christ has set you free indeed. We send you the trusted Barnabas and Paul and the men we send you to bring you the authoritative determination of the council at Jerusalem. For freedom, Christ has set the Gentile free. He has done so by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We have sent others to you who will affirm this truth in their teaching. Judas and Silas, they will affirm that for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of Slavery. On what authority? On what authority do we bring this message? On the authority of the apostles? On the authority of the elders? On the authority of the whole church? Trusted men who delivered to you the saving gospel, Barnabas and Paul. Judas and Silas, we will send to you to affirm the authority of the letter. If that isn't enough to convince you that for freedom's sake Christ has set us free, the Holy Spirit has sent this message to you. Verse 28, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to send you this message. You can trust that Christ has set you free. This is a message from the Spirit of God. Keep yourselves from idols. Abstain from sexual perversions. Life is not yours to take, but yours to protect. If you keep yourselves from these things, he says, you will fare well. Let no one lay any unnecessary burden upon you. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. On what authority? How can we trust the authority of the apostles? How can we trust the authority that the elders claim to have? How can we trust the church? 
How can we trust the authority of the statement that Christ has set us free? The elders' apostolic witness authoritatively proclaims that Christ has set you free in the authority of God who sent them. Remember what Jesus told Pilate in John 19? He says, you would have no authority over me unless it had been given you from above. And in the same way, the apostles have no authority except that which is given to them from above, from God himself. The message delivered to you is in the power of the Holy Spirit through those whom he has sent, as we saw in Acts 15, 28. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit to send this message that Christ has set you free. You will do well, he says, at the end of it, to embrace freedom. To embrace, to embrace that for freedom, Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. By the authority of the Word of God, this is declared to you. Can you trust the authority of the Word of God? Yes. Deuteronomy 8.3 says, Man does not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You can embrace freedom because the Holy Spirit has set apart the apostles to declare this message with the authority of God Himself. Thinking about Ephesians chapter 4, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may be no longer children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, in deceitful schemes. See, he sent us these and the apostolic word of God. That's what we have that, that affirms this truth, that in Christ Jesus, we have indeed been set free. For freedom, you have been set free. You should camp on that phraseology. For freedom, you have been set free in Christ. What does freedom look like? Is freedom a license to sin? For freedom, you've been set free. Do not again take a yoke of slavery. And here he's describing the law, right? He's saying that if somebody comes and troubles you and says that, that some other burden must be added in order for you to be saved, right? That's not from us. That's not from the Holy Spirit. That's not from the Word of God. That's not something that you can, that you should put your trust in. Don't take that on. That is, if you take that on, you are enslaved to the whole law. If you take on this one thing, you are enslaved to that whole thing. For freedom's sake, Christ has set you free. Don't put that on. But it has really many, many deeper uh, implications. And we'll get to those here in a minute. My message here this morning is that this is the word of God. The message of the elders of Spring Hill Church who have been placed to be overseers is this, that for freedom Christ has set you free. We would say constantly, stand firm therefore and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. On what authority should you heed the words of the preacher? On what authority should you heed the words of the elders of the church? Hebrews 13 Seven through nine says, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider their outcome of life and imitate their faith. 
Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't be led away by diverse and strange teaching, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. Now, of course, if we preach any other message, if we preach any other message, Paul says, let them be accursed, right? The word says, if they preach you a different gospel, let that person be accursed. But insofar as we preach the gospel of grace, you ought to remember your, your leaders, those who speak the word of God to you. And then, again in Hebrews 13, verses 17 and 18, knowing that your elders, elders have a duty to declare this message, to declare that for freedom Christ has set you free, and stand firm, therefore, and don't submit to the yoke of slavery. You must understand this, that the elders and the leaders and the preachers in your church are sinners saved by grace as well. And it says in verses 17 and 18 of Hebrews 13, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us. For we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorable, honorably in all these things. So the letter here delivered is that we, the apostles, the elders, the church at Jerusalem, those who are sending the letter, they lay no unnecessary burden on you for salvation. Since for freedom's sake, we know, don't be weighed down. Don't be weighed down for freedom's sake. Not just to the law, but for freedom's sake. Notice how... The, the end of that passage goes, for freedom, Christ has set you free. Don't submit to a yoke of slavery, right? For the sake of freedom, don't be weighed down by the sin of idolatry. Don't be weighed down by sexual immorality. Don't be weighed down by sins that are committed against your neighbor's inherent dignity. All of our neighbors, they have inherent dignity that is afforded to them by God. God having granted them uh, life. We, we decimate or denigrate human dignity with murder, yes, for certain. But Christ raises the bar of, of the moral ethic in the Sermon on the Mount when he says even defamation of character or otherwise thinking that somebody is less worthy. He says you're guilty of destroying that person. If Christ has set you free from any unnecessary burden to be added to salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, you also have been freed from the bondage of sin. Think about that. This is a red-letter day when you and I, as Christians, get this, when we really embrace it. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Free from the law, but free from the bondage of sin. You know, when you're, when you're discussing somebody who's fallen and they're in a trap, but you know their confession is true in Christ Jesus, what can you say to them? Something quite simply is this. You don't have to do that. You don't have to. In Christ, you can not sin. I'm not saying you cannot sin, like you could never sin. But in Christ, 
you have the ability to not sin. Augustine writes this, Man using free will badly has lost both himself and his will. So he has these four states, right? Four states of humankind that are derived from the scriptures. They correspond to four states of man in relation to sin. Before the fall, man was able to sin and able not to sin. After the fall, man was not able to not sin. And in Christ Jesus, we are able to not sin. And when he brings us fully home and our faith is realized, ah, we're unable to sin and sin is not present. The first state comports, uh, uh, corresponds to the state of man in innocence before the fall. Before the fall, man was free. He was free to either sin or not sin. The second state of natural man after the fall, after fall, the nature of man was in bondage to sin, bound by it, not free. I know how many times I have friends of mine who talk about free will. The only way your will is free is if Christ has set you free. If Christ has not set you free, you have no free will. Your free will is in bondage to sin. And you can't help yourself. You're chained. You're locked up. Sure, you can do right and good things sometimes. But you're, you can't not decide to just not sin. Because all along you have one great sin that's hanging over your head, and that is the sin of unbelief. If you are not believing in Jesus Christ, you are constantly in sin and you are bound by that sin. You are chained. And you can't believe unless He sets you free. You can't have faith unless He gives it to you. You can't have repentance unless He gives it to you. The Scriptures are clear. We cannot have repentance unless He gives it to us. We cannot have faith unless God gives it to us. And we're saying our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. His mercy comes to us first because we're helpless and hopeless and chained and, and in bondage. But when we get the idea that Christ has set us free and that the one whom Christ has set free is free indeed, we understand this, that our nature is no longer in bondage to sin. The regenerate man is the one the regenerate woman is the one who in Christ, for, for freedom, Christ has set us free to not sin. And fourth, the glorified man is the one that, that one day will, will, not, will be free, not only just to not sin, but sin will not be present in us or around us. We'll have no uh, sin uh, to affect us. Man, I'm looking forward to the day when my flesh and my spirit are not at war. When I don't have to exercise in Christ Jesus to not sin. Because sin just will be no more. Today we have to exercise that ability that God has given us in Christ Jesus to not sin. And ultimately what he's saying here is that in Christ Jesus, don't put on a yoke of slavery. Don't put that on. You've been set free. I remember at... Um, I used to take uh, youth group kids to these 
quote-unquote Christian concerts, right? And uh, there's, there's a rapper there, and I, I, even, I don't even remember who it was now. Uh, it's been a while ago. But he had this on the stage. He had like a, he had a, a jail cell kind of marked out on the thing. And he has this Christ-like figure who comes over and he opens the door to the cell. I've set you free. And this person doesn't exercise that freedom. He paces inside the cell just like he always has. He might take a step outside of the cell, but he constantly is drawn back to the cell, just walking that little square day in and day out. You see, that's us when we go back to that which we've been set free from. We voluntarily put ourselves in a prison, yoking ourselves, enslaving ourselves to sin. And the reminder that we would have for ourselves is this, that Christ has set us free. He set us free from that. We have to exercise that freedom, don't we? We have to exercise it. We who have been granted freedom in Christ Jesus, I ask us this. Do we live as freed men and women? Do we voluntarily return to bondage, keeping ourselves yoked to that which we have been set free from? How has Christ set us free? Romans 7 says, My brothers, You also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to one another, to him who has been raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God. You've been set free from the bondage of the law of sin to belong to Jesus Christ and his people. You have been freed now to bear fruit, the fruit of salvation. Don't take on this yoke and bear the fruit of bondage, dead fruit, fruit that produces nothing. Hebrews 10.1 says, For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true uh, form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered year after year, make perfect those who draw near. You have been freed, you see, to live in the reality of Christ's perfect sacrifice. In Galatians 4, it says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. John 1.17 tells us, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Romans 10.4 says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. In Philippians, we read, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. In Ephesians 2, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made together, uh, alive together with him, having forgiven all of your trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Are you free? Has Christ indeed set you free? He has nailed it to the cross. He has nailed your unrighteousness to the cross. You can now be free, free from 
the power of sin. Free from its power. I think we need to remind ourselves of this, right? Over and over again. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm there and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. If you walk in the reality of the letter that was sent here to the Antioch church, walk as those who are freed. You are in yourselves. You become a letter. If you walk in the freedom that is in Christ, you become a letter. You become a letter to the world. You become a letter that declares to the world that for freedom Christ has set me free. And He set me free not by my own works. He set me free by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. 2 Corinthians affirms this. And you show that you are a letter from Christ, delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. So I would say to you, be encouraged. Be strengthened. Rejoice in your freedom. Now we get to see how these received this letter. So when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, verse 30, they delivered the letter. And when they read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. And Judas and Silas, who were uh, themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. And after they had spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the brothers uh, to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. Be strengthened. Be encouraged. Rejoice. You see, the church at Antioch rejoiced in their freedom from the unnecessary burden of circumcision. And with many words, Judas and Silas encouraged and strengthened the church. I suppose that the words that were very encouraging to them had nothing to do with circumcision necessarily. I mean, it had something to do with it, but I mean, ultimately, the, the implications of that are, are greater. The implications of that freedom is that for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. You have been freed from the bondage of the law of sin to belong to Jesus Christ and to belong to his people, freed to bear the fruit of salvation and not the dead fruit of bondage. You've been freed to live in the reality of Christ's perfect sacrifice. He whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Disciple of Jesus Christ, this is to you this morning. To those who are disciples of Jesus Christ, in our relationship with other believers, we need to remind one another that Christ has set them free. Christ has set you free. In love, we need to encourage one another that in Christ we've been set free, not only from sin's penalty, but from sin's power. I think sometimes we get passive about that reality, don't we? We say, well, if you confess your sin, you are saved. then we might say to them, then why, brother, are you putting on this yoke of slavery? Do you not know that in Christ you've been set free from that power? You have everything you need for life and godliness in Christ Jesus. It's all been given to you. He has set you free. You are no longer bound. It's a red-letter day when you get that, when I, when I get that. 
right? When I remind myself of that, when I'm in the midst of my own verbal issues, my own mental thinking, my own attitude, my own heart attitude, I have to sit often and remind myself, you're not doomed to that state that you're in right now, Jeff. You're not doomed to live there. You don't have to live there anymore. Because in Christ, he has set you free. He set you free from that. And I think we, we need to do that with one another. How encouraging is it for us to come along, a brother or a sister who's struggling in something, and here's what often happens in the church, right? A brother or sister confesses that something is, that they're struggling with some sin or they're trapped by something. Well, I'll pray for you. And then we talk bad about them to another brother or sister and say, do you know what John Roberts is dealing with? Instead of saying, I'm not picking on you, John, for any particular reason. Your face was just right there. But, but say, hey, brother John, you, I want to remind you, you've been set free. You don't have to live there. I affirm your confession of Jesus Christ as Lord. You don't have to live there. Remember that Christ has set you free from that. Walk in that freedom and just remind him that he can walk in freedom, that he's not bound to stay there. I've had brothers who were in the church who, when, when asked about certain things that, that were going on in their lives, I'm just always going to be this way. I'm stuck. I'm never going to not do that. Like, that is a lie. It's a lie from the pit of hell. If indeed you've been set free. If you haven't been set free in Christ and that's your attitude, you need to plead with God. You need to lift up a prayer to Him and say, God set me free. I am in bondage. I am trapped. I can't get out of it. We can trust that Christ can set us free. There's proof everywhere. There's proof in the scriptures as we look at the cross and what Jesus Christ did. We who were in bondage, right? Christ Jesus became bound. He voluntarily was bound, nailed to a cross. Voluntarily. For our sin, for our freedom, he was bound. The God of the universe, the God who created everything, Jesus Christ in the flesh, bound for our sin. For what purpose would he be bound if we're not walking in freedom? If we're not walking in the freedom that he gave us, the cross means nothing, doesn't it? The cross of Jesus Christ means nothing if you're not walking in freedom. If you don't know that you know that you know that you know in the very core of your being that Christ has set you free. For freedom, He has set you free. For the sake of freedom, live in freedom is what He's telling you. For freedom's sake, live as freed. We need to encourage one another in love with that message. And encourage one another as we progress in this life and we see the, we see 
the consequence of sin all around us, don't we? We see it everywhere. I mean, people sin against us every day, all day long. We see that sin runs rampant in the world. Just watch the news and you'll see sin running rampant. And actually, you'll see uh, more than just it running rampant. You'll see people applauding it and exalting it. They'll say, here is a yoke for you to be enslaved to. Let's celebrate that. It's what the world tells us. I think we need to encourage one another today and in the days going forward that when Christ returns to judge the world, he will take his people and set them free forever from the presence of sin. For freedom, Christ has set us free. So I would encourage you, church, to stand firm. Don't submit to a yoke of slavery.